girls and ghouls, and welcome to another episode of So You Think You Can Frighten. I'm here with my hosts, Matt, Michael Equinox Doodles, uh, Kybert, and researcher uh, Greg Chudley. Hold on, buddy. Thanks, you just you just referred to two females, all right? Ghouls? Are you kidding me? Have you watched Monster High? You would know that no. ghouls refers to the female characters, and Monsters is the male characters. Whatever. I don't been, watch uh, fucking children's shows for little girls. <laughs> that makes one Damn. of us. For little ghouls. That makes for one of ghouls. us. Ghouls. Thank you, Kybert. See, someone's actually paying attention here. How is everybody's day going? Uh, going pretty well. What'd yeah. you do today? Everybody tell me what you did today. Starting with Kai. Work. Sergio. Uh, I did some I did some writing, uh, both commission and SCP wise, and I went to school. Equi, Equinox. Uh, I don't think I'm legally allowed to say what I did on the podcast. Who did you kill? <laughs> Who did you kill? Who the life did you end with your bare hands? Comedy. That's okay. Comedy. I forgive you. He Thanks, looked at Dick and Bob. I ki- I kill comedy on the stage every right, day. Here, here's the thing: before I before <laughs> I ask Jake what he did today, uh, wait, we I, didn't talk about we didn't ask Matt first. Oh, Matt, huh? what did you do mm-hmm. today before after, after before I, Michael? I already the answered. I worked. Okay, now you can talk, Michael. So I, I learned that my uh, my dad's sense of humor is horribly skewed, and um, I, I went into the kitchen because I was I was hungry, and I I look over and I see a. Uh, I see that our our fruit bowl has been put turned into a a, a rather phallic display. Uh huh. I, I turn to my mom and I go, "Hey, um, who put the? Why, why do the, why do the fruits look like a like a penis?" And she goes, and she goes, and she goes, uh, "Blame your father for that." And I said, <laughs> <laughs> "That reminds me of something that I learned." What you learned today? Mm-hmm. I learned that my dad doesn't understand YouTube. What do you mean? What my dad what does that mean? so context. My dad and my brother live together, and they and mm-hmm. they and, okay. and okay. they watch. My my brother likes to watch YouTube on the TV. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my brother loves to watch Scott the Waz. He does seem like a tasty and, white boy. And and my dad. My dad just doesn't understand Scott the Waz. My brother watches Scott the Waz. And then my dad's like, why does this guy get so angry about these stupid things? And my, it's like, dad, that's the joke. And he's like, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> However, my dad does love. Lo- dad. <laughs> my, dad, my dad loves the Try Guys, which I'm sure he's very sad about the recent. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the recent um, situation with them. What's the what's the mm. try guys? Um, one of the try guys, the guy, the try guy that was known for loving his wife, uh, cheated on his wife. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was asking, I was asking what the mm. try guys are. Oh, they're guy, oh, they're they're the former Buzzfeed, BuzzFeed employees. Former Buzzfeed, yes. They try things. Their their YouTube channel is them trying things. I don't know how else to describe it. Like that sounds you like an asshole answer. Random shit. But that's not an asshole answer. Their YouTube channel is like we try. To to, to out golf a professional golfer, we try jerking off for the first time. We try, can I well, fit well, the largest bad dragon dildo inside of my asshole? Not clickbait. 
And I guess, I guess, I guess the most recent thing is the try guys try adultery (laughs) because because the guy who the guy who in every episode of try guys says i love my wife uh cheated on his wife with a with a with an employee with an employee worker yeah yeah so that's awkward at a public event too yeah they went to go see mcr together they went to go see mcr you took her to see mcr I didn't know that's how they got seen. Oh my god! That was the public event. It was MCR. The T. I, I guess they really should have been told to keep it. I guess it was door. his chemical romance. I guess so. Oh wait, no. I, I just made a panic of the disco joke. Oh, I, I joined in. Who's you having you people ever heard of listening to better music? No. Wow! Don't insult. Did me you know that every? Like did that. you know that? Damn. Every member of Panic at the Disco, except for Brendan Urie, is no longer in Panic at the Disco, and it's yes. just him. Yeah, because and it I shows. Can, yeah, it, it shows because I I still don't understand a thing that they're saying. Their most recent album is so dog. Their his most recent album is so dog shit that it's yeah. funny. It's no so offense. bad. No offense to him, but like it's not. No full offense to I, Brendan Urie. Uh, he's I miss, weird. I miss the old music. Hey, look, Brendan Urie got I weird and creepy. Hey, look, Ma, I made it. He's like uh, he's like the guy from Maroon 5 for oh, hipsters gosh. and emos. Dude, yeah. I, I, I know we're going way off topic, but I didn't know that Panic at the Disco made uh, made that one song. What's the song called? Uh, it's a recent song. It's usually, it was um, used in that TikTok of the guy dry in the car. I have no that, mean, that means nothing to me. I'm These sorry. Words have no meaning to me. Uh, let me give me a second. None of us are on TikTok. It was a meme. It was a meme. No, should have meaning to all of us is uh the high thing hopes. fan fiction. I hope. No, we a... no, we need to figure out what it was what high hopes. High, high hopes. hopes. High hopes okay. is the song. Got to have high you. high hopes for a living. That song. Yes. I hate that song. I hate it too, and I didn't know that they made it. All right, sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I don't he know made what. It. <laughs> I haven't. I want to put on record that before we get into this fan fiction, I have never watched the thing. I'm never going to watch the thing. Don't. I am going to. I am going to choose. You can't. You'll to never just, make it. <laughs> I know. I will never make it. You'll have a heart attack. Like Wait, legitimately. It's actually. It's actually kind of good you haven't seen the thing because this basically goes to the plot of the movie, but from the thing's perspective. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. and it is. I want to say very famous. Has everyone else here seen the thing? Yes. I have. Yep, many times. Okay, it actually stars Matt. For yeah, for yes, those who don't know, star me. It does. I know. The, I can know that. That's true. For, the, for those who don't know, the thing, the movie, the thing, is by John Carpenter. But that's uh, the eighties version. There's an older version, and it is. And yes, There's it is an a remake. Version? It is a yes. It's a yes. remake. It's a remake. It's a remake. Actually. I didn't know that. I knew there was yep, a yeah. sequel that was almost good, and then they CGI'd everything. Yes. Yeah. The um, the sequel. original original thing was you know the the image of um the thing that we're talking about the mo- the movie the thing that we're talking about right now you know the cover of like the guy in the diving suit yeah that is a reference back to the original movie where it literally was just this tall fucking weird monster out in the uh, middle. The thing from another world. That's what, okay. Yes. That's it what also features... Would, would I be able to survive oh. that one? It's uh, 1951. 
Prob- I'd say probably. Probably. I think you'd be able to do it. You'd be able to do it. It's th- The thing is, the movie that we're talking... Thing... Night, is it 87 when John Carpenter's thing came out? 82. 82. So Thing 82 was universally considered the goriest movie fucking ever made. At the I, time would, that it was I, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I would say People, I would say that Evil Dead Two is the goriest movie, the goriest movie ever made. There was, there the, was a lot the, of outrage at the though. time. At the time, is mm-hmm. the, the word at, used. at the time of yeah. Thing Eighty Two's release. In audiences were, <laughs> were shocked at what was in the movie because yeah. it was so grotesquely horrifying. Oh, I mean, yeah. to to this day, I would say it's probably it's one of the most grotesquely horrifying movies. I, I thought ev- I thought Evil Dead Two came out before the so, thing, but it came I, out after. I, I want to mm-hmm. put perspective here because uh, uh, just to like read some of the reception. Uh, I'm looking at this from the the, the Wikiped article. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When it was released, the film received a, like a lot of negative reviews for its yeah, it was very cynical, uh, yeah. anti-authoritarian tone and graphic special effects. And yes. they described the movie as a uh, quintessential moron movie of the '80s, instant junk. Uh, that's from Canby, 1982, and a mm-hmm. wretched excess from Arnold from 1982. Yeah, it, and, it was uh, not well liked. Yeah, Star- and so our logs. Alec, uh, Starlog, which is a monthly sci-fi magazine that was primarily focused on Star Trek at the start, uh, Alan Spencer called it a cold and sterile movie uh, horror movie attempting to cash in on the genre audience against the optimism of E.T., the reassuring return of Star Trek II, the technical perfection of Tron, and the sheer integrity of Blade Runner. That's funny, because when it Blade Runner came out, biased. people also hated it. Yeah. But yeah, but, um, as, as I was trying to say, if if anyone here has never seen the thing and they like horror movies, the thing may be artistically speaking probably th- the best horror movie ever made. Unbiased by the way. I'm not I'm not, I would never yes. be biased. Um genuinely speaking, it's effects the way that they do the creature oh, is so one good. of the most incredibly created monsters for anything ever i mean this it, is john, john fucking the water it's john fucking carpenter yeah even, is, I know, no, even, even i know who that guy is but no even considering it's john carpenter the thing creature in that movie is off the charts amazing it's mm-hmm. you it just have to see the movie to look at i, I want to talk <laughs> about I also mm-hmm. want to talk about how the uh, the the sequel they made a se- prequel technically the, se- the 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 2011 prequel was almost in my opinion could in, in my opinion could have been almost as good as the original all of the effects in the in the prequel were made in the same way that the thing's original effects were and then they yeah. brought it to the studio as a completed film and the studio said we don't like it. It looks too much like an 80s movie because of the effects. CG it. And so they CG'd it. And all of the CG looks um, terrible. like CG from 2011. Yeah. Which is they, terrible. They did, they did the best <laughs> they could, in fairness. Yes. It's not yeah. like it was bad CGI from that point in time. It's just to do the things that the thing was doing is... It was impossible to do it with CGI at the time, essentially. It was, you just couldn't do it. I would argue that it still uh, is. My, my my favorite Maybe. uh 
my fa- my favorite thing that they my favorite uh, effect from the movie is that there's a there's a scene where um they have a body on the the morgue table and they don't know it's a thing and a guy tries to um defibrillate it and the thing's chest opens up oh and gosh. bites his arms off the the guy who gets his arms bitten off is a double amputee wearing fake limbs and they use that in conjunction with the uh uh the animatronic to actually bite the arms off to get the effect oh that's yeah. crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, did, they worked hard they worked real hard for that shot it's another, incredible uh, another fun fact that i thought i'd like to share uh because the thing takes place in antarctica right yes, um, yes. well yes. Mm-hmm. every every year in february at the uh Admonson Scott South Pole Station. They actually screened the film. I, if, oh, I had to, if I had to live it's through so that in, in the South Pole, <laughs> if I had to live in Antarctica and watch the thing, I would shoot myself in the head. Yeah, that would be Dude, a difficult movie to watch. I I would probably go schizophrenic. Like I'm I, not yeah, even joking. No, yeah, no, after I murder a guy over a game of chess. <laughs> I'd be yeah. afraid of the fish. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm. I'm gonna t- since this is a Halloween episode, we will be reading the the fic in probably one minute. But I just want to say official Jake tier list of of best horror movies, best Halloween movies to watch. That's um, Halloween. Out, you haven't uh, lived if you haven't watched it. Um, oh, the I guess thing. I'm not living. Yeah, sorry, buddy. You're dead. You wouldn't if you did watch it. <laughs> yeah, you would be dead. I'm not kidding. I can, I can barely sit through the thing. I think you would die. the The best horror movies or Halloween movies ever made. And this is this is my this is the Jake list. The top four, Jake, Jake top Fax. five. I'm adding a, I'm adding a fifth one. Jake Fact, sing the song. Jake Fact, do 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 do. Jake Fact. This is in no particular order. However, my list of of five Halloween movies to watch throughout Halloween. I'm adding another one. Six movies. Number oh, one, wow. the thing. Yes. Number two, Evil Dead Two. Only the yes. second one. You don't need well, to watch, watch the first one. You don't. I, the thing about okay, you're gonna make me go on another tangent, and I don't <laughs> want to. Evil Dead Two is a soft reboot to the franchise, so you don't need to watch the first one to understand the second one. But it helps. Yes. But if you watch just want to see one. the good movie, just Evil Dead Two. Number three is a Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Oh, I can watch that one. Number four is The Batman, because it takes place during Halloween. Okay, yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh, uh, fuck, I forgot. Oh, number five is Young Frankenstein with Gene yes. Wilder, a Mel Brooks yes. movie. Also, Kai, we're watching that next week in Nebraska. because I'm everyone, so excited. No one else has seen the movie except for probably you and me. And I think Kieran. No, oh, not Kieran. Crazy. Um, It makes me mad. And number six is Little Shop of Horrors, but only if oh, you watch yes. it with the the alternate ending. That's the original Broadway ending yes. and not the I, one they made for the movie because that one's I stupid. Agree. I agree uh, with all yes. of those. And I have one addition. Number seven. Number seven. Watch number the OG seven. Halloween. The watch OG it. Halloween. And maybe maybe the second one, but uh, also maybe maybe probably not. One. Can, but Can I throw one on there? Sure. Hold on. Hold, sure. Yeah. Hold on. Kai and Michael Fax. Do 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 do. <laughs> yes. uh scooby-doo zombie island oh my god yeah that's a good one I'm, 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 I'm gonna i'm gonna throw in scooby-doo and scooby-doo two monsters unleashed i will specifically say yes. i yes i am a scooby-doo nut i have been making my way through uh mr incorporated i'm on season two right now which is the final season of scooby-doo mr incorporated uh and 
I'm pretty sure that my, Zombie Island was done with cell animation, and you can tell. The oh, colors, yeah, it was. Yeah, everything everything it is. is just so, so pretty. Uh, someone else throw another one. Throw another thing on the on the no, list. Another Scooby Doo movie. Uh, the first. No, not a Scooby Doo movie. Not a Scooby Doo movie. Another movie, Halloween movie. Just any Halloween a- movie. Alien. 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 Yeah. Facts. Do 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 do. Alien and also Aliens. Friday the Thirteenth. Just watch any of them. They're entertaining. Only no. Only watch Jason Takes Manhattan or Jason X because those are the good. <laughs> those are the best ones. Those are the most entertaining out of all of them. I think Michael could sit through Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason X. If Maybe. They're, they're so bad. <laughs> they're they so really bad. bad. They're what they're literally not scary. Hell? They're not even like gory. They're just like they're just they're just bad. They just exist. <laughs> they're, they're just really goofy is the thing. They're um, super goofy. Bef- last Leprechaun. I'm adding Only Leprechaun to the list. We've just been going right, off. It's time to read the fan fiction, I think. We've stalled <laughs> yes. long enough. Yes. Yeah. All right, so this is The uh, Things by Peter Watts. It won like five different sci-fi awards as it was published in Clark's World Sci-Fi and Fantasy Magazine. But it's basically Clark. it's basically a fan fiction um, in all but name. I think, actually, mm-hmm. I want to say they're making another thing project and they hired peter watts as a consultant because this was so good good so yeah uh, uh i will begin or somebody um, else let's uh let's switch off every ellipsis. the little gray ellipses that are like breaking up like yeah <laughs> every, every ellipsis is so funny all right okay. i will i will start and then um is everybody's order on zencaster correct like, no, it it's different for everyone. No, it's never right. All right, I will pass over to Matt, and then Matt can pass to Jake, and then Kai, and then Michael can go last. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I am being Blair. I escape out the back as the world comes in through the front. I am being Copper. I am rising from the dead. I am being Childs. I am guarding the main entrance. The names don't matter. They are placeholders, nothing more. All biomass is interchangeable. What matters is that these are all that is left of me. The world has burned everything else. I see myself through the window, loping through the storm, wearing Blair. McCready has told me to burn Blair if he comes back alone, but McCready still thinks I am one of him. I am not. I am being Blair. I am at the door. I am being Childs, and I let myself in. I take brief communion, tendrils writhing from forth from my faces, intertwining. I am Blair Childs, exchanging nudes of the world. The world has found me out. It has discovered my burrow beneath the tool shed, the half-finished lifeboat cannibalized from the viscera of dead helicopters. The world is busy destroying my means of escape. Then it will come back for me. There is only one option left. I disintegrate. Being Blair, I go to share the plan with copper and to feed on the rotting biomass once called Clark. So many changes in so short a time have dangerously depleted my reserves. Being child, I have already consumed what is left of fuchs and am replenished for the next phase. I sling the flamethrower onto my back and head outside into the long Antarctic night. I will go into the storm and never come back. Who was next? I didn't. I didn't hear it. You. I put. I put you the acronym of SMJEK. It makes sense. Super Mario joked. I was so much more before the crash. I was an explorer, an ambassador, and a missionary. I spread across the cosmos, met countless worlds, took communion. The fit reshaped the unfit, and the whole universe bootstrapped upwards 
in joyful, infinitesimal increments. I was a soldier, at war with entropy itself. I was the very hand by which creation perfects itself. So much wisdom I had, so much experience. Now I cannot remember all the things I knew. I can only remember that I once knew them. I remember the crash, though. It killed most of this offshoot outright. But a little crawled from the wreckage. A few trillion cells. A soul too weak to keep them in check. Mutinous biomass sloughed off despite my most desperate attempts to hold myself together. Panic-stricken little clots of meat instinctively growing whatever limbs they could remember and fleeing across the burning ice. By the time I'd regained control of what was left, the fires had died and the cold was closing back in. I barely managed to grow enough antifreeze to keep my cells from bursting before the ice took me. I remember my reawakening too. Dull stirrings of sensation in real time. The first embers of cognition the slow, blooming warmth of awareness as body and soul embraced after their long sleep. I remember the biped offshoots surrounding me, the strange chittering sounds they made, the odd uniformity of their body plans, how ill-adapted they looked, how inefficient their morphology. Even disabled, I could see so many things to fix. So I reached out. I took communion. I tasted the flesh of the world. And the world attacked me. It attacked me. I left that place in ruins. It was on the other side of the mountains. The Norwegian camp, it is called here. And I could never have crossed that distance in a biped skin. Fortunately, there was another shape to choose from. Smaller than the biped, but better adapted to the local climate. I hid within it while the rest of me fought off the attack. I fled into the night on four legs and let the rising flames cover my escape. I did not stop running until I arrived here. I walked among these new offshoots, wearing the skin of a quadruped, and because they had not seen me take any other shape, they did not attack. And when I assimilated them in turn... When my biomass changed and flowed into shapes unfamiliar to local eyes, I took that communion in solitude, having learned that the world does not like what it doesn't know. I am alone in the storm. I am a bottom dweller on the floor of some murky alien sea. The snow blows past in horizontal streaks, caught against gullies or outcroppings. It spins in the blinding little whirlwinds. I'm not nearly far enough. Not yet. Looking back, I still see the camp crouched brightly in the gloom. A squat, angular jumble of light and shadow. A bubble of warmth in the howling abyss. It plunges into darkness as I watch. I've blown the generator. Now there's no light, but for the beacons along the guide ropes. Strings of dim blue stars whipping back and forth in the wind. Emergency constellations to guide lost biomass back home. I am not going home. I am not lost enough. I forge on in the darkness until even the stars disappear. The faint shouts of angry, frightened men carry behind me on the wind. Somewhere behind me, my disconnected biomass regroups 
into vaster, more powerful shapes for the final confrontation. I could have joined myself all in one, chosen unity over fragmentation, resorbed and taken comfort in the greater whole. I could have added my strength to the coming battle, but I've chosen a different path. I am saving child's reserves for the future. The present holds nothing but annihilation. Best not to think on the past. I spent so very spent so very long in the ice already. I didn't know how long until the world put the clues together, deciphered the notes and the tapes from the Norwegian camp, pinpointed the crash site. I was being Palmer, then. Unsuspected, I went along for the ride. I even allowed myself the smallest ration of hope. But it wasn't a ship anymore. It wasn't even a derelict. It was a fossil, embedded in the floor of a great pit blown from the glacier. Twenty of these skins could have stood up, stood up one atop another and barely reached the tip of that, the lip of that crater. The time scale settled down on me like the weight of a world. How long for all that ice to accumulate? How many eons had the universe iterated on without me? And in all that time, a million years perhaps, there'd been no rescue. I never found myself. I wonder what that means. I wonder if I even exist anymore. Anywhere but here. Back at camp, I will erase the trail. I will give them their final battle, their monster to vanquish. Let them win. Let them stop looking. Here in the storm, I will return to the ice. I've barely even been away, after all, alive for only a few days out of all these endless ages. But I've learned enough in that time. I learned from the wreck that there will be no repairs. I learned from the ice that there will be no rescue. And I learned from the world that there will be no reconciliation. The only hope of escape now is into the future, to outlast all this hostile, twisted biomass, to let time and the cosmos change the rules. Perhaps the next time I awaken, this will be a different world. It will be eons before I see another sunrise. This is what the world taught me, that adaptation is provocation. Adaptation is incitement to violence. It feels almost obscene, an offense against creation itself, to stay stuck in this skin. It's so ill-suited to its environment that it needs to be wrapped in multiple layers of fabric just to stay warm. There are a myriad ways I could optimize it. Shorter limbs, better insulation, a lower surface-to-volume ratio. All of these shapes I still have within me, and I dare not use any of them even to keep out the cold. I dare not adapt. In this place, I can only hide. What kind of a world rejects communion? It's the simplest, most irreducible insight that biomass can have. The more you can change, the more you can adapt. Adaptation is fitness. Adaptation is survival. It's deeper than intelligence, deeper than tissue. It is cellular. It is axiomatic. And more, it is pleasurable. To take communion is to experience the sheer sensual delight of bettering the cosmos. And yet, even trapped in these maladapted skins, the world doesn't want to change. At first I thought it might simply be starving, that these icy wastes didn't provide enough energy for routine shape-shifting, or perhaps this was some kind of laboratory, an anomalous corner of the world, pinched off and frozen into these freakish shapes as part of the arcane experiments on monomorphism in extreme environments. After the autopsy, I wondered if the world had simply forgotten how to change. Unable to touch the tissues, the soul could not sculpt them, and time and stress and sheer chronic starvation had erased the memory that it ever could. 
but there were too many mysteries, too many contradictions. Why these particular shapes, so badly suited to their environment? If the soul was cut off from the flesh, what held the flesh together? And how could these skins be so empty when I moved in? I'm used to finding intelligence everywhere, winding through every part of every offshoot. But there's nothing to grab onto into the mindless biomass of this world. Just conduits carrying orders and input. I took communion when it wasn't offered. The skins I chose struggled and succumbed. My fibrils infiltrated the, the wet electricity of organic systems everywhere. I saw through eyes that weren't yet quite mine, commandeered motor nerves to move limbs, still built of alien protein. I wore these skins as I've worn countless others, took the control and left the assimilation of individual cells to follow at its own pace. But I could only wear the body. I could find no memories to absorb, no experiences, no comprehension. Survival depended on blending in, and it was not enough to merely look like this world. I had to act like it, and for the first time in living memory, I did not know how. Even more frighteningly, I didn't have to. The skins I assimilated to con continued to move all by themselves. They conversed and went about their appointed rounds. I could not understand it. I threaded further into limbs and viscera with each passing moment, alert for signs of the original owner. I could find no networks but mine. Of course, I could have been much worse. I could have lost it all, been reduced to a few cells with nothing but instinct and their own plasticity to guide them. I would have grown back eventually, retained sentience, taken communion, and regenerated in an intellect vast as a world. But I would have been an orphan amnesiac, and no sense of who I was. At least I've been spared that. I emerged from the crash with my identity intact, the templates of a thousand worlds sent resonant in my flesh. I retain not just the brute desire to survive, but the conviction that survival is meaningful. I can still feel joy, should there be sufficient cause, and yet how much more than, uh, how much more there used to be. The wisdom of so many other worlds lost. All that remains are fuzzy abstracts, half memories of theorems and philosophies far too vast to fit into such a an eh, impoverished network. I could assimilate all the biomass of this place, rebuild body and soul to a million times the capacity of what crashed here. But as long as I am trapped at the bottom of this well, denied communion with my greater self, I will never recover that knowledge. I'm such a pitiful fragment of what I was. Each lost cell takes a little of my intellect with it. And I have grown so very small. Where once I thought, now I merely react. How much of this could have been avoided if I had only salvaged a little more biomass from the wreckage? How many options am I not seeing because my soul simply isn't big enough to contain them? The world spoke to itself in the same way I do when my communications are simple enough to convey without somatic fusion. Even as dog, I could pick up the basic signature morphemes. This offshoot was Windows. That one was Bennings. The two who'd left in their flying machines for parts unknown were Copy Copper and McCready. And I marveled that these bits and pieces stayed isolated one from another, held the same shapes for so long that the labeling of the individual aliquots of biomass actually served a useful purpose. Later, I hid within the bipeds themselves, and whatever else lurked in those haunted skins began to talk to me. It said that the bipeds were called guys, or men, or assholes. It said that MacReady was sometimes called Mac. 
It said that this collection of structures was a camp. It said that it was afraid, but maybe that was just me. Empathy is inevitable, of course. One can't mimic the sparks and chemicals that motivate the flesh without feeling them to some extent. But this was different. These intuitions flickered within me, yet somehow hovered beyond reach. My skin wandered the halls and cryptic symbols on every surface. Laundry shed. Welcome to the clubhouse. This side up. Almost made a kind of sense. That circular artifact hanging on the wall was a clock. It measured the passage of time. The world's eyes flitted here and there, and I skimmed piecemeal nomenclature from its, his mind. But I was only writing a searchlight. I saw what it illuminated, but it couldn't point it in any direction of my own choosing. I could eavesdrop, but I can only eavesdrop. Never interrogate. If only one of those searchlight tet paused to dwell on its own evolution and the trajectory that brought it to this place, how th differently things may have ended. And only if had I only known. But instead, it rested on a whole new word. Autopsy. McCready and Copper had found part of me at the Norwegian camp. A rear guard offshoot burned in the wake of my escape. They'd brought it back, charred, twisted, and frozen in mid-transformation, and did not seem to know what it was. I was being Palmer then, and Norris, and Dog. I gathered around with my other biomass and watched as Copper cut me open and pulled out my insides. I watched as he dislodged something from behind my eyes, an organ of some kind. It was malformed and incomplete, but its essentials were clear enough. It looked like a great wrinkled tumor, like cellular competition gone wild, and so the very processes that defined life had somehow turned against it instead. It was obscenely, obscenely vascularized. It must have consumed oxygen and nutrients far out of proportion to its mass. I could not see how anything like that could even exist. How could it, it could have reached that size without being outcompeted by more efficient morphologies? Nor could I imagine what it did. But then I began to look with my new eyes at these offshoots, these biped shapes my own cells had scrupulously and unthinkingly copied when they reshaped me for this world. Unused to inventory, why catalog body parts that only turned into other things, the slightest provocation. I really saw for the first time that swollen structure atop each body, so much larger than it should be, a bony hemisphere into which a million ganglionic interfaces could fit with room to spare. Every offshoot had one. Each piece of biomass carried one with these huge twisted clots of tissue. I realized something else too. The eyes, the ears of my dead skin had fed into this thing before copper pulled it free. A massive bundle of fibers ran along the skin's longitudinal axis right up the middle of the endoskeleton and directly into the dark sticky cavity where the growth had rested. That misshapen structure had been wired into the whole skin, like some kind of somato cognitive interface, but vastly more massive. It was almost as if, no. That was how it worked. That was how these empty skins moved of their own volition, and why I found no other network to integrate. There it was, not distributed throughout the body, but balled up into itself, dark, dense, and insisted. I had found the ghosts in these machines. I felt sick. I shared my flesh with thinking cancer. I just want to say, I love Some... how this is written. I, I, yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, I'm so yeah, confused. I... It's a so, brain. So... Go, go ahead and explain it for us a little bit. Yeah, so the thing is discovering what a brain is. Okay. Be because because with the, basically what the thing is saying is like its whole body is its thinking organism, but when it, it it's like, like an octopus, the whole body is yeah, the brain. Yes. Yeah. So when it takes over, it's like where are the memories? Where is everything? And as he's watching the the scientists pull apart like a thing that turned of the human, it's seeing why it doesn't find anything. We have. Like, like, it's talking, like, when it's, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like, the, when it, the, the paragraph with, like, a million ganglionic interfaces, it's talking about how it doesn't understand, like, our skulls. Like, why do you have this big, bulbous head on top of your structure with all your thinking things? Because to the Imagine thing, 
Good. Well, like to the to the 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 thing thinks in pure practicality of like 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 obviously like we aren't meant for like Antarctica. It doesn't understand why we're walking around this place mm-hmm. in such like um inefficient forms because obviously it has the ability to make it make itself live in this area so we're just completely baffling to it mm-hmm. gotcha it would be like if we saw a race of the thing but we could hide amongst them to witness this i mean you would be horrified entirely and you'd be confused and, and interested i feel like uh I, I probably would under like uh, appreciate this more if I wasn't so stupid. No, you're not stupid. This is very specific. It also written. took me a while to get it, so I it's not just you. Yeah, no, it's it's meant to be very sort of vague writing, so that you have to think about it and have the the dawning horror of what the thing is realizing itself. <clears throat> it's also anyway. quite scientific too. That's the issue. I'm like stupid. this is straight biology. <laughs> Mm-hmm. surface area to volume ratio like bam that's the shit dude you're just saying words i have no understanding about and i think a lot of this also might be because i haven't seen the actual film if you'd seen the film you would know the the scenes that this is talking talking about it's literally yeah. like walking you through the movie from the thing's perspective essentially what's happened here yeah. is they've taken a carcass back um it's a yeah, I mean, like like things i know what autopsy is no i, just, I know uh, that but but it's like I, this, I'm just like very lost. Twelve foot long, just mass of fucking gangly flesh that they found at that other place, and that's what they brought back. Um, okay. And they're they're like the humans are just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. But in an interesting twist, the thing, the monster, is also figuring out what the hell's going on when this autopsy happens. It's it's a narrative mirroring of the humans learning about it and the thing learning about the humans. That's that's why yeah, people the, love this so much. Because the, the 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 thing crash lands in its spaceship at the beginning, millions of years ago, and its flesh, as it mentions, betrays it, and it splits off um, into you know the, like it says like 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 you know my body fell apart and it ran off, and the offshoots of the thing are what take out the Norwegian camp, which is about the prequel. Um, the prequel is about and the mm-hmm. the thing, as in the thing of eighty two is now as it's pulling apart you know a version of itself learning like what had happened to its like offshoots basically okay mm-hmm. yep Matt, if you will continue. Yeah, <clears throat> sometimes even hiding is not enough i remember seeing myself splayed across the floor of the kennel a chimera split along a hundred seams taking communion with a handful of dogs Crimson tendrils writhed on the floor. Half-formed iterations sprouted from my flanks. The shapes of dogs and things not seen before in this world. Haphazard morphologies half-remembered by parts of a part. I remember childs before I was childs, burning me alive. I remember cowering inside Palmer, terrified that those flames might turn on the rest of me. That this world had somehow learned to shoot on sight. I remember seeing myself stagger through the snow, raw instinct, wearing bennings. Gnarled, undifferentiated clumps clung to his hands like crude parasites, more outside than in, a few surviving fragments of some previous massacre. 
crippled, mindless, taking what they could and breaking cover. Men swarmed about him in the night, red flares in hand, blue lights at their backs, their faces bichromatic and beautiful. I remember Bennings, awash in flames, howling like an animal beneath the sky. I remember Norris, betrayed by his own perfectly copied defective heart. Palmer, dying that the rest of me might live. Windows still human, burned preemptively. The names don't matter. The biomass does. So much of it. Lost. So much new experience. So much fresh wisdom. Annihilated by this world of thinking tumors. Why even dig me up? Why carve me from the ice? Carry me all that way across the wastes? Bring me back to life only to attack me the moment I awoke? If eradication was the goal, why not just kill me where I lay? Jacob? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Those insisted souls. Insisted? Insisted? Insisted. 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 Inchisted souls. Those tumors. Hiding away in their bony caverns. Folded in on themselves. I knew they couldn't hide forever. This monstrous anatomy had only slowed communion, not stopped it. Every moment I grew a little. I could feel myself twining around Palmer's motor wiring, sniffing upstream along a million tiny currents. I could sense my infiltration of that dark thinking mass behind Blair's eyes. Imagination, of course. It's all reflex, that far down, unconscious and immune to micromanagement. And yet, a part of me wanted to stop while there was still time. I'm used to incorporating souls, not rooming with them. This. This compartmentalization was unprecedented. I've assimilated a thousand souls, a thousand worlds stronger than this, but never one so strange. What would happen if I met the spark in the tumor? Who would assimilate who? I was being three men by now. The world was growing wary, but I hadn't, but it hadn't noticed yet. Even the tumors and the skins I'd taken didn't know how close I was. For that, I could only be grateful. That creation has rules. That some things don't change no matter what shape you take. It doesn't matter whether a soul spreads throughout the skin or festers in a grotesque isolation. It still runs on electricity. The memories of men still took time to gel. To pass through whatever gatekeepers filtered noise from signal in a judicious burst of static. However indiscriminate, still cleared those caches before their contents could be stored permanently. Clear enough at least. To let these tumors simply forget that something else moved their arms and legs on occasion. At first, I could only contr- I only took control when the skin closed their eyes and their searchlights flickered disconcertingly across unreal imagery, patterns that flowed senselessly into one another like hyperactive biomass unable to settle into shape. Dreams, one searchlight told me, and a little later, nightmares. Damn, the face revealed crazy. During those mysterious periods of dormancy, when the men lay inert and isolated, it was safe to come out. Soon, though, the dreams dried up. All eyes stayed open all the time, fixed on the shadows and each other. Offshoots, once dispersed throughout the camp, began to draw together, to give up their solidarity pursuits in favor of company. 
At first, I thought they might be finding common ground and a common fear. I even hoped that finally, they might shake off their mysterious fossilization and take communion. But no, they just stopped trusting anything they couldn't see. They were merely turning against each other. My extremities are beginning to numb. My thoughts slow as the distal reaches of my soul succumb to the chill. The weight of the flamethrower pulls at its harness, forever tugs me just a little off balance. I have not been childs for very long. Almost half this tissue remains unassimilated. I have an hour, maybe two, before I have to start melting my grave into the ice. By that time, I need to have converted enough cells to keep this whole skin from crystallizing. I focus on antifreeze production. It's almost peaceful out here. There's been so much to take in, so little time to process it. Hiding in these skins takes such concentration, and under all those watchful eyes, I was lucky if communion lasted long enough to exchange memories. Compounding my soul would have been out of the question. Now, though, there's nothing to do but prepare for oblivion. Nothing to occupy my thoughts but all these lessons left unlearned. McGreedy's blood test, for example, his thing detector, to expose imposters posing as men, does not work nearly as well as the world thinks, but the fact that it works at all violates the most basic rules of biology. It's the center of the puzzle. It's the answer to all the mysteries. I might have already figured it out if I wasn't just a, if I had just been a little larger. I might already know the world, if the world wasn't trying so hard to kill me. McCready's test. Either it is impossible, or I have been wrong about everything. <sighs> they did not change shape. They did not take communion. Their fear and mutual mistrust was growing. But they would not join souls. They would only look for the enemy outside themselves. So I gave them something to find. I left false clues in the camp's rudimentary computer, simple-minded icons and animations, misleading numbers and projections, seasoned with just enough truth to convince the world of their veracity. It didn't matter that the machine was far too simple to perform such calculations, or that there were no data to base them on anyway. Blair was the only biomass likely to know that, and he was already mine. I left false leads, destroyed the real ones, and then, alibi in place. I released Blair to run amok. I let him steal into the night and smash the vehicles as they slept, tugging ever so slightly at his reins to ensure that, that certain vital components were spared. I set him loose on the, in the radio room, watched through his eyes and others as he rampaged and destroyed. I listened as he ranted about a world in danger, the need for a containment, the conviction that most of you don't know what's going on around here, but I damn well know that some of you do. He meant every word. I saw it in his searchlight. The best forgeries are the ones who've forgotten that they, they aren't real. When the necessary damage was done, I let Blair fall to MacReady's counter-assaults, as Norris, I suggested, the tool shed as a holding cell. As Palmer, I, I bored up th the windows, helped with the flimsy fortifications expected to keep me contained. I watched while the world locked me away for your own protection, Blair, and left me to my own devices. When no one was looking, I would change and slip outside, salvage the parts I needed from all that buried machinery. I would take them back to my burrow beneath the shed and build my escape piece by piece. I volunteered to feed the prisoner and came to myself when the world wasn't watching. I, I'm not sure if that's an L or an I. I'm going to say it's an I. Eden. It's Laden. Oh, it's Laden. 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 
I fucking hate that sometimes it's just like lowercase l capital yeah, I. Yeah, we had the same thing with a uh, with a Warhammer story a few weeks ago where it said it's a we couldn't tell if it said eho or low and it was low. I had to Google it because I didn't actually know. Damn. Laden with supplies enough to keep me going through all the those necessary metamorphoses. I went through a third of the camp's food stores in three days and still trapped by my own preconceptions marveled at the starvation diet that kept those that kept these offshoots chained to a single skin another piece of luck the world was too preoccupied to worry about kitchen inventory there is something on the wind a whisper threading its way through the raging of the storm i grow my ears extend cups of near frozen tissue from the side of my head turn like a living antenna in search of the best reception there, to my left, the abyss glows a little, silhouettes black swirling snow against a subtle lessening of the darkness. I hear the sounds of carnage. I hear myself. I do not know what shape I have taken, what sort of anatomy might be emitting those sounds, but I've worn enough skins on enough worlds to know pain when I hear it. The battle is not going well. The battle is going as planned. Now it is time to turn away, to go to sleep. It's time to wait out the ages. I lean into the wind. I move toward the light. This is not the plan. I, but I think I have an answer now. I think I may have had it even before I sent myself back into exile. It's not an easy thing to admit. Even now, I don't fully understand. How long have I been out here, retelling the tale to myself, setting clues in order while my skin dies by low degrees? How long have I been circling this obvious impossible truth? I move towards the faint crackling of flames, the dull concussion of exploding ordnance more felt than heard. The void lightens before me, gray segues into yellow, yellow into orange. One diffused brightness resolves into many, a lone burning wall miraculously standing, the smoking skeleton of McCree's shack on the hill, a cracked smoldering hemisphere reflecting pale yellow in the flickering light. Child's searchlight calls it a radio dome. The whole camp is gone. There's something left but flames and rubble. They can't survive without shelter. Not for long. Not in those skins. And destroying me, they've destroyed themselves. Things could have turned out so much differently if I'd never been Norris. Norris was the weak node. Biomass not only ill-adapted, but defective. An offshoot with an off-switch. The world knew had known for so long it never even thought about it anymore. It wasn't until Norris collapsed that heart condition floated to the surface of Copper's mind where I could see it. It wasn't until Copper was astride Norris's chest trying to pound him back to life that I knew how it would end. And by then it was too late. Norris had stopped being Norris. He'd even stopped being me. I had so many roles to play, so little choice in any of them. The part being copper brought down the paddles on the part that had been Norris. Such a faithful Norris, every cell so scrupulously assimilated, every part of that faulty valve reconstructed unto perfection. I hadn't known. How was I to know? These shapes within me. The worlds and morphologies I've assimilated over the eons, I've only ever used them to adapt before, never to hide. This desperate mimicry was an improvised thing, a last resort in the face of a world that attacked anything unfamiliar. My cells read the signs, and my cells conformed, mindless as prions. 
So I became Norris, and Norris self-destructed. I remember losing myself after the crash. I know how it feels to degrade. Tissues in revolt, the desperate efforts to reassert control, a static from some misfiring organ jams the signal. To be a network seceding from itself, to know that each moment I am less than I was the moment before. To become nothing. To become legion. Being copper, I could see it. I still don't know why the world didn't. Its parts had long since turned against each other by then. Every offshoot suspected every other. Surely they were alert for signs of infection. Surely some of that biomass would have noticed the subtle twitch and ripple of Norris changing below the surface. The last instinctive resort of wild tissues abandoned to their own devices. But I was the only one who saw. Being child, I could only stand and watch. Being copper, I could only make it worse. If I'd taken direct control and forced that skin to drop the paddles, I would have given myself away. And so I played my part to the end. I slammed those resurrection paddles down as Norris's chest split open beneath them. I screamed on cue as serrated teeth from a hundred stars away snapped shut. I toppled backwards, arms bitten off above the wrist. Men swarmed, agitation bootstrapping to panic. MacReady aimed his weapon. Flames leaped across the enclosure. Meat and machinery screamed in the heat. Copper's tumor winked out beside me. The world would never have let it live anyway. Not after such obvious contamination. I let our skin play dead on the floor, while overhead something that had once been me shattered and writhed and iterated through a myriad random templates, searching desperately for something fireproof. They had destroyed themselves. They. Such an insane word to apply to a world. Something crawls towards me through the wreckage, a jagged oozing jigsaw of blackened meat and shattered, half-resorbed bone. Embers stick to its sides like bright searing eyes. It doesn't have enough strength. It doesn't have strength enough to scrape them free. It contains barely half the mass of this child's skin. Much of it, burnt the raw carbon, is already dead. What's left of child's? Almost asleep. Thanks. Motherfucker. But I'm being him now. I can carry that tune myself. The mass extends a pseudopod to me, a final act of communion. I feel my pain. I was Blair. I was copper. I was even a scrap of dog that survived that first fiery massacre and holed up in the walls with no food and no strength to regenerate. Then I gorged on unassimilated flesh, consumed instead of communed, revived and replenished. I drew together as one. And yet, not quite. I can barely remember. So much was destroyed, so much memory lost, but I think the networks recovered from my different skins stayed just a little out of touch, or out of sync, even reunited in the same Soma. I glimpse a half-corrupted half memory of dog erupting from the greater self, ravenous and traumatized, and determined to retain its individuality. I remember rage and frustration that this world had corrupted me, that I could barely fit together again. But it didn't matter. I was more than Blair and Copper and Dog now. I was a giant with the shapes of worlds to choose from, more than a match 
for the last lone man who stood against me. No match, though, for the dynamite in his hand. I'm now a little more than pain and fear and charred stinking flesh. What sentience I could I have is awash in confusion. I am strained, disconnected thoughts, doubts in the ghosts of the theories. I am realizations, too late in coming and already forgotten. But I'm also child's. And, and as the wind eases, I at last I remember wondering who assimilates who. The snow tapers off. And I remember an impossible test that stripped me naked. The tumor inside me remembers it too. I can see it in the last rays of its fading searchlight. And finally, at long last, the beam is pointed inwards. Pointed at me. I can barely see what it illuminates. Parasite. Monster. Disease. Thing. How little it knows. It knows even less than I do. I know enough, you motherfucker. You soul-stealing, shit-eating rapist. I don't know what that means. There is violence in those thoughts and the forcible penetration of flesh. But underneath it all is something else I can't quite understand. I almost ask, but a child's searchlight has finally gone out. Now there's nothing in here but me. Nothing outside but fire and ice and darkness. I am being child's. And the storm is over. In a world that gave meaningless names to interchangeable bits of biomass, one name truly mattered, MacReady. MacReady was always the one in charge. The very concept still seems absurd. In charge. How can this world not see the folly of hierarchies? One bullet in a vital spot and the Norwegian dies forever. One blow to the head and Blair is unconscious. Centralization is vulnerability. And yet the world is not content to build its biomass on such a fragile template. It forces the same model onto its metasystems as well. MacReady talks. The others obey. It is a system with a built-in kill spot, and yet somehow MacReady stayed in charge. Even after the world discovered the evidence I'd planted, even after it decided that MacReady was one of those things, locked him out to die in the storm, attacked him with fire and axes when he fought his way back inside. Somehow, MacReady always had the gun, always had the flamethrower, always had the dynamite, and the willingness to take out the whole damn camp if need be. Clark was the last to try and stop him. McCready shot him through the tumor. Kill spot. But when Nora split into pieces, each scuttling instinctively for its own life, McCready was the one to put them back together. I was so sure of myself when he talked about his test. He tied up all the biomass, tied me up more times than he knew, and I almost felt a kind of pity as he spoke. He forced windows to cut us all, to take a little blood from each. He heated the tip of the metal wire until it glowed, and he spoke of pieces small enough to give themselves away, pieces that embodied in instinct but no intelligence, no self-control. MacReady had watched Norris in dissolution, and he had decided men's blood would not react to the application of heat. Mine would break ranks when provoked. Of course he thought that. These offshoots had forgotten that they could change. I wondered how the world would react when every piece of biomass in the room was revealed as a shapeshifter, when MacReady's small experiment ripped the facade from the greater one and forced these twisted fragments to confront the truth. Would the world awaken from its long amnesia, finally remember that it lived and breathed and changed like everything else, or was it too far gone? 
would McCready simply burn each protesting offshoot in turn as its blood turned traitor. I couldn't believe it when McCready plunged the hot wire into Windows' blood and nothing happened. Some kind of trick, I thought. And then McCready's blood passed the test, and then Clark's. Copper's didn't. The needle went in and Copper's blood shivered just a little in its dish. I barely saw it myself. The men didn't react at all. If they even noticed, they must have attributed it to the trembling of MacReady's own hand. They thought the test was a crock of shit anyway. Being childs, I even said as much. Because it was too astonishing, too terrifying to admit that it wasn't. Being childs, I knew that there was hope. Blood is not soul. I may control the motor system, but assimilation takes time. If Copper's blood was raw enough to past muster, then it would be hours before I had anything to fear from this test. I'd been childs for even less time. But I was also Palmer. I'd been Palmer for days. Every last cell of the biomass had been, had been assimilated. There was nothing of the original left. When Palmer's blood screamed and leapt away from McCready's needle, there was nothing I could do but blend in. I have been wrong about everything. Starvation, experiment, illness... All my speculation, all the theories I invoked to explain this place, top-down constraint, all of it. Underneath, I always knew the ability to change, to assimilate, had to remain the universal constant. No world evolves if its cells don't evolve. No cell evolves if it can't change. It's the nature of life everywhere. Everywhere but here. This world did not forget how to change. It was not manipulated into rejecting change. These were not the stunted offshoots of any greater self twisted to the needs of some experiment. They were not conserving energy, waiting out some temporary shortage. This is the option my shriveled soul could not encompass until now. Out of all the worlds of my experience, this is the one whose biomass can't change. It never could. It's the only way MacReady's test makes any sense. I say goodbye to Blair, to Copper, to myself. I reset my morphology to its local defaults. I am childs. Come back and come back from the storm to finally make the pieces fit. Something moves up ahead. A dark blot shuffling against the flames. Some weary animal looking for a place to bed down. It looks up as I approach. McCready. We eye each other and keep our distance. Colonies of cells shift uneasily inside me. I can feel my tissues redefining themselves. You're the only one that made it? Not the only one. I have the flamethrower. I have the upper hand. MacReady doesn't seem to care. But he does care. He must. Because here, tissues and organs are not temporary battlefield alliances. They are permanent. Predestined. Macrostructures do not emerge where the benefits of cooperation exceed its costs or dissolve when that balance shifts the other way. Here, each cell has but one immutable function. There's no plasticity, no way to adapt. Every structure is frozen in place. This is not a single great world, but many small ones. Not parts of a greater thing. These are things. They are plural. And that means, I think, that they stop. They just just wear out over time. Where were you, childs? I remember words in dead searchlights. I thought I saw Blair. Went out after him. Got lost in the storm. I've worn these bodies, felt them from the inside. Copper's sore joints, Blair's curved spine. 
Norris and his bad heart. They're not built to last. No somatic evolution to shape them. No communion to restore the biomass and stave off entropy. They should not even exist. Existing, they should not survive. Then try, though, how they try. Everything here is walking dead, and yet it all fits so hard to keep going just a little longer. Each skin fights as desperately as I might if one was all I could ever have. McCready tries. If you're worried about me, I begin. McCready shakes his head, manages a wary smile. If we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. But we are. I am. A whole planet of worlds, and not one of them, not one, has a soul. They wander through their lives, separate and alone, unable to even communicate, except through grunts and tokens. As if the essence of a sunset or a supernova could ever be contained in some string of phenomes. A few linear scratches of black on white. They've never known communion, can aspire to nothing but dissolution. The paradox of their biology is astounding, yes, but the scale of their loneliness, the futility of these lives overwhelms me. I was so blind, so quick to blame. The violence I've suffered at the hands of these things reflects no great evil. They're simply so used to pain, so blinded by disability, that they literally can't conceive of any other existence. When every nerve is whipped raw, you lash out at even the slightest touch. What should we do, I wonder? We cannot escape into the future, not knowing what I know now. How could I leave them like this? Why don't we just wait here a while, McCready suggests. See what happens. I can do so much more than that. It won't be easy. They won't understand. Tortured, incomplete. They're not able to understand. Offered the great whole. They see the loss of the lesser. Offered communion. They see only extinction. I must be careful. I must use this newfound ability to hide. Other things will come here eventually. And it doesn't matter whether they find the living or the dead. What matters is that they find something like themselves to take back home. So I will keep up appearances. I will work behind the scenes. I will save them from the inside. Or their unimaginable loneliness will never end. These poor savages, things, will never embrace salvation. I will have to rape it into them. And that is the end. Damn. I'm going to be honest, as well written as this is, uh, I, 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 I'm I still, like, confused. And I feel like a lot of that is just because I'd never seen the thing. Yeah. What's your interpretation? I want to know yes, what you think you have, of you the have a events. truly unique position right now. Um, this is really hard because, like, <laughs> you're, you're putting me into a position where if I say something... I'm going to, I'm, someone's somehow is going to find me and be like, hey, you should go watch The Thing because you haven't seen The Thing and The Thing is good. And I'll be like, no, I, I, I don't like horror. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I think the, um, the thing is, pun intended, <laughs> the way that I have coming through to this is not like a cult classic film. The writing of this kind of feels a little pretentious. Um, that's fair like it i mean Mm. it's definitely coming from like a a higher organism who's under who's like confused by like how things are in this world and what have you um i don't know what's going on like at all 
Uh, and I think a lot of that is, again, because this is meant for somebody who has seen the film, uh-huh. who knows what's going on, like in terms of like the scenes and the timeline and stuff and uh, the events that happens. Yeah, uh, th- this feels sort of like um, I feel like the best way I could describe reading this is like a pretentious recap of someone's day and they just kind of gloss over everything because they just want to get to like the, the like the basic important stuff. Yeah, I, I don't really understand a whole lot. I'm very confused, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess is kind of the point of the story because it's meant to be from a different perspective. And this isn't like something that's not new to fan fiction. There's a lot of stories that do the whole from this person's perspective sort of stories uh, over and over. There's a Dragon Ball fan manga where someone was reincarnated as Yamcha and just trained super fucking hard to make him like powerful uh-huh and just live like a good life there you know there's uh, of course there's uh reincarnated as a slime there's there's a ton of other stories out there from different perspectives in a world that we've kind of already sort of known or at least have a, a vague idea about mm-hmm. so like cool and those sort of fan fictions work really really well if you've already consumed that source material would I say that this fan fiction is good for a newcomer who has no idea what the fuck the thing is? Hell no. This is this yeah. is something for fans of the thing that want to enjoy more stuff about the thing. It's I not mean, meant to be something that is an introduction to the thing. Even it's if someone well has seen the thing, um, I still think it can be hard to to, to fully grasp just because I think the, the concept of just how alien the thing uh like views humanity and views everything yeah it is a little hard to grasp as just like a regular person i think the yeah but i fiction i think the fiction's well written i think it's neat Mm -hmm. uh in terms of a a concept like especially a concept and execution because it's you know pretty well received by the people that enjoy this thing I think it's the but, first thing we've ever read on the podcast that had no grammatical errors, to my knowledge. Yeah, it was just us fucking up. I would up hope as, a, as a published work that it didn't have any. Um, but I, I, th- I think the alienness and the pretentiousness really works in its like, um, mm-hmm. in its execution. Because, because, like, because, like, like as I'm reading this, I'm like replaying the movie in my head, and like, obviously, it's like, well, this isn't canon; it's not written for the thing. But like, things right. are like clicking in my head, like that make like more sense and i'm like what would a multicellular organism like speak like and then i read this and i'm like yeah that's exactly what it would talk like with how it just like <laughs> mm-hmm. describes things yeah. like it's in the cold and it's like ah oh, i got to form more antifreeze oh shit oh shit like like it's talking about its organs like you would talk about like clothes and stuff like that and i think that's really interesting i also find mm-hmm. it really funny um it's thoughts on McCready, uh, Kurt Russell's character, because the only human being who could withstand being assimilated by an alien creature would be Kurt Russell. Uh-huh. Very true. Yes. Just that kind of like that sort of like like arrogance where it's like I me I know I'm you. I had to have assimilated. Wait, why isn't it working? What? Why? <laughs> why? Wait, hold on. I'm Wait so confused about the blood test. Well, I don't think that was, um, well, I guess, uh, the, the one major thought that I have actually is I do 
funnily enough, the this is all another another point in the track record of Matt sees things long before he should have as a small child. Because I read this when I was like 10 or something like that. I remember people talking about it at some point. I can't remember how, but I remember people talking about it. And it was way above my head, way beyond me at that point. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't even, of course, I hadn't seen the movie. But um, I think it doesn't work as an introduction. Of course, it's not meant to be an introduction. But it, much like the thing, is really touching upon deeply scary things that you you can't think about them in a way that's really remotely comforting. This is uh-huh. interesting though now, even more so for me nowadays, because I, I actually think that I actually think this is less scary now than when I first read it. Because I can kind of understand well, why older. the thing is I think it's it's interesting to me because it's not really a horror novel from our perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a horror novel from the thing's perspective. The thing's perspective. Yeah. I think it's, for yeah. me, it's scary for the thing. For me personally, um I think I just um mm-hmm. struggle to consume horror in a written format. Okay. Fair I enough. think it just doesn't I, I it just doesn't work for me. Like I, I'm like this is scary. But I just don't feel like you don't feel the horror anything because it's not like really. in a visual like, medium. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Or I guess not okay. in like a in in a space where I wouldn't say visual. It's just like in a in a state where it's like I wouldn't say mm-hmm. interactive, but that's the best way I can sort of describe you want it. Because, human perspective horror, yeah, not a, a alien human. perspective horror. Not even that. It's just like like I think it's written horror as a whole. Like I think I'm just more resistant to feeling okay. unsettled or uncomfortable when I read a written work. The only think- written works I can think of off the top of my head that have made me uncomfortable have been SCP uh three nine 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 and American Psycho. That's Fair funny. enough. Doesn't and I think American really Psycho. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. You're listening to an audio book being read to you by it's John. Okay, Hewitt, who cares? By Jimmy. Audio book you and real getting... book are both book. Okay? I'm still consuming I mean, it in a non non visual format. I'm saying the yes. horror comes from listening to Jimmy Hoops read it to, read it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but I, I, anyway. listened to, I listened to Sergio read this to me. That's true. This this was an auditory. Well, I, I, would a, that, I would hope that Sergio group. doesn't scare you. I'm I'm saying Jimmy Hoops scares you. No, Sergio scares me. Sergio burnt my crops down and fucked my wife. Damn, <laughs> that explains a lot. That's the real horror here. Yeah, I I, I think I agree with you because because like we we were talking about this earlier with SCP seven one seven nine. And how everybody was like, oh my god, scared the shit out of me. Oh my god, you you, mm-hmm. you wrote a sentence and I and I was like, oh my god, like I I feel like certain people can be like really like messed up by like writ- written horror, and then like there's like mm-hmm. you know people like you and me who are like, mm-hmm. okay, you would have rather seen it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> but I think that goes to show like like there are written horror that has effect. Like I said, American Psycho, like is for Chilling. all intents and purposes a a horror novel yeah i i send that weird middle ground where like i i can enjoy 
some air quotes some horror if it's in a written format uh-huh i th- there there's a good full of scp that sort of unsettle me mm-hmm. that make me a little you know a little iffy there are some scp that don't i i think it's a lot of the the writing that people end up doing and they and uh-huh. the fear of exactly who is reading it because I, I bet there are people who are like genuinely afraid of like living for eternity or whatever uh-huh. or like just sort of being alone or something i i don't understand like maybe what the fear is but there is a fear of that and there are other people that have different fears for example yeah. like my biggest fear uh that is not a physical being that can exist in this world because i if i just said my biggest fear it would just be fish because i fucking hate fish but <laughs> that's hilarious what about, what about like shrimp Shrimp are cool. I'm okay with shrimp. What about so you like crustaceans? Crustaceans are fine by me because the the thing is, yeah, I have never been in a physical space where I am like able to touch a crustacean. There have been times where I've been able to physically touch a fish. That's different. So, but that's fair. They're slimy and gross. I I can't I can't fault you. I think the big issue that comes with writing horror is that everyone again has a different fear, but the best sort of way of doing horror is to basically do like a nightmare scenario. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that sort of thing. Somewhat. It's it's basically you are put into a, it's more of a, it's more of a video game sort of thing. The nightmare scenario is a sort of a loss of control and a loss of information that just continues to pile on top of each other over time. Mm-hmm. So, okay. for example, for example, if if you like think of not in a video game standpoint, but if you were put into the position of the person that was going around to collect the pages in Slender, uh-huh. that would be a nightmare scenario. Yeah. You you have no information. You have no like you are lost in the woods somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there is something chasing you. You have no tools outside of a flashlight. Like, you are just becoming helpless and more and more helpless as it continues. You know what? I'll say it. Mm -hmm. I want to make a bold claim. Mm -hmm. Okay. Slender was scary. Yeah, I agree. Slender was scary. Slender was scary. It's not a good game. It it was a meme. People were like, haha, it's a bad game. It's not scary. But it was just like... It wasn't scary because you were watching people play it. I played Slender. I played Slender in my house as a ten, like a ten year old. Yeah, if you play it, it's stressful. That game made me fucking like almost cry. But another thing that that sort of compounds with that thing was Slender's AI was very different from other survival horror game AI at the time. Mm -hmm. Like the the other big horror game at that period of time was Amnesia, and that monster I believe Mm. just chased you. Pretty much, yeah. Which is a which is a pretty common fear of just being chased by something which, that you I mean, you know. Technically, that's what the Slenderman does, but he has yes. more. But the the thing He's is, is that the, power. <laughs> the AI the AI in Slender is coded in a very specific way to where you are always questioning the turnaround. It's like, oh, he's gonna be right here, and then you turn around, and he's not there. Uh-huh. Because the AI specific, there's a whole video about it that breaks it down, but the AI hmm. specifically sort of finds a point that's out of your camera's point of view and moves to there. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you'll see that. Sometimes it's obstructed by an object so you don't see it. 
Yeah. But those times where like you just see a glimpse of him is enough to sh- make you shit yourself. Oh yeah. That's sort of that's it's... sort of like what a, a good horror game has sort of compiled down to in Slender. But like in terms of horror literature, I think it's a lot harder to sort of get that because you have to first get into the the reader's imagination and to have him sort of crumble and like fall apart while they're reading it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a video game or a movie, you have something that's there that they can like visually see or interact with in some way. Just there, there's a whole lot more there that you can do. And I think that when you find, when you have that happy middle ground of a horror literature that scares you because it's a common fear or something, and it's just Mm well-written, that's how it works to me. I, I think that this isn't a, a horror fan fiction like the the things isn't a horror fan fiction is a fan fiction for a horror film where you're it, i would consider it more like this fan fiction to be more of maybe like a sci-fi thriller where like mm. sure there's tension and stuff I, but it's not uh, it's not specifically it's not specifically it's cosmic sp- horror uh, fucking what a, sci-fi thriller horror whatever I, it's cosmic I don't horror shit thriller horror they're the same fucking thing i would like to share my thoughts because they those are different things thriller and horror are very different things they're the Here, same thing no they're, no they're not they are they are different. okay can i tell can i can i explain my thoughts as Michael's like done. a veteran done, of horror media in general yeah, go, go ahead and i'm first yeah. gonna start with the difference between a horror and a thriller okay so a thriller is meant to um evoke a feeling of fear while you are watching the thing like whatever is unfolding in the thriller you're supposed to feel afraid while you're watching it or you're supposed to feel some sort of unease while you're viewing whatever it is but horror is very different horror is something where it's meant to evoke both well three things fear uncomfortableness and disgust and most of the time the element that makes horror truly um impactful is that it lingers a thriller is not supposed to linger like you're supposed to have the bad feelings while you're watching it it's supposed to be actiony and then when it's done you're like oh that was a nice little adrenaline rush whereas like Mm -hmm. horror is you know you watch the movie you're like oh that wasn't so bad and then you go to bed and you start thinking about it and it appears in your nightmares Mm -hmm. and you think about it on the daily or sometimes it'll just creep up into your head and you'll get Uh goosebumps that's the kind of thing that horror is meant to be so they're very different and um i think this works well as a horror piece not as a sci-fi thriller but as a sci-fi horror piece because it does definitely evoke that sort of like you know what would alien consciousness be like and how would they perceive us and what kind of interactions would they be having with us? Not just thinking about like what we would do if we met them, but mm-hmm. what they would perceive us as. And I thought that like this this is coming from this perspective of like reading a lot of horror books and watching a lot of horror novels. I do agree with everybody's thoughts that this is like not a very good first foray into like the thing as a franchise, I guess. But mm. um I think it's, I think it's a time. really good I think yeah that's what I was going to say yeah. I think it's a really good standalone piece and I think the pretentiousness is delicious and here's why it reminds me of like HP Lovecraft and um 
Edgar Allan Poe and all of the like older horror authors that uh-huh. tended to have a lot more like demanding prose. And this was definitely sort of on the like demanding end of the prose because mm-hmm. we got those big words in there. Yeah, and yeah. I I. I enjoyed it for that alone, but I think it's a really good, like, I don't know, just a really good exploration into what alien consciousness might be like if it was sort of like, you know, compacted into something that we would still kind of be able to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I've been, um, I will say a little little side note is that I, I was watching, while watching Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, uh, apparently there's a they had an entire episode where the monster was based off of uh hp lovecraft it was like a cthulhu monster mm-hmm. and uh pretty cool the they had they actually had like a character to be like hp lovecraft but his name was hp hatecraft and they, <laughs> what, was, uh, what hatecraft. was the name of his yeah. cat yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't, I don't think second. he had a cat i don't think he had a cat he had a he had a book <laughs> He had a book, uh, the book of the, the, that was like the big one that they brought up was the Shrieking Madness of Chargar Gothicon, the beast that hath no name. Um, they, that sounds awesome. <laughs> they don't have a, uh, they don't have, they don't list the cat, but apparently it was voiced by Jeffrey Combs, who, uh, who appeared in an H.P. Lovecraft film adaptations. Hmm, cool. uh, such as Reanimator and From Beyond. Oh hell know, yeah! I know Reanimator with HP Lovecraft. I'll be honest, I won't lie. I didn't either, but that's cool. Yeah, anyways, uh, I, yeah, I just uh, Herbert them. West Reanimator is the name of I the don't, novel. I I don't think that this really works as a standalone piece. I I, I feel like it's more of like Why? a I feel like it's more of a supplement because no, I agree it, with Michael. Why? I get What's your specific- reason? Why? Because I'm I'm new to the fucking thing thing, right? If I don't know what the fuck is going on, how am I supposed to enjoy this on its own? It requires sure that's, a I'm, lot I'm of sure, context. Of I'm sure, the like, Jake here is vouching for me because he's actually seen the thing, mm-hmm. but I I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm very confused and lost. I feel like it, I, don't say mm, Matt. I know you've seen the thing. I, well, I haven't had a chance to talk in like twenty minutes. Well, I'm trying I think, to think of what I'm going to talk about. I think we're gotcha. bi- I think we're biased because we've seen the thing and we're like, oh, like this is easy to understand because no, because I because I I read this before I saw the thing and while I feel differently yeah. now, I still thought it was good the first time I read it. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that I don't think that this is well. Let like, me put it this way: I, I thought it was good piece. as a standalone piece the first time I read it. I I barely okay. even knew it was from a fanfic of a movie. I just heard it was good. I think that if you're if you're reading this fiction uh, specifically for the horror of a a multi organism a multi cell organism sort of learning about humanity and you're going it from that perspective rather than as like some you know like a fan fiction about the thing I'm sure that it would work as a standalone piece but I would I I feel like that because I was introduced to this as specifically a the thing fan fiction. I can't really see it any other way. Mm-hmm. That's sort of where I sit on it. Mm. I think it's I think it's hard to argue that a story so based within the context of a movie is is entirely capable of being its own standalone thing. In my opinion, I disagree though because imagine if you wrote a book that was about 
uh, Gollum's story and Gollum's perspective for his life in Lord uh -huh. of the Rings. You can write that in a I way that doesn't require you to know everything about Lord of the Rings. I think it might yeah, just be because you... of a. Uh, it's more. It's more high thinking for this. Like this fiction, like this piece of literature, it's a little bit more high thinking. Whereas, like, if you were mm -hmm. to do it from Gollum's perspective, you you could work that. I feel like there's a lot of really good fan fiction I, that can be mm, introduction pieces to a fandom. Not to be argumentative, but doesn't the high topic biology introspection separate it more from what it's based on? Because I can tell you this, the thing is not, it's it's not meant to be like science fiction in a, in a specific sense. It's it's really body horror at, at its core. There's there's not much introspection to be had um, at all beyond. It has aliens. Yeah, but it's not really about any science in any in any sort of way. It's, it's no, there's no like concrete science in there. It's it's literally primitive terror at its core. Is is what the it's, thing? It's is cosmic about. horror. That's what it is. It's cosmic horror. Well, like I would I, I wouldn't say the thing the movie is cosmic horror. The thing the movie is really body horror. This well, yeah, this I, I think the idea of it though, maybe I, I think concept it, it touches on cosmic horror aspects in the movie at some point, but. The reason I think that the fan fiction can stand on its own is because it's an existential horror introspection piece about a creature that is so far removed from human biology that it literally is just in awe that we're even alive, that we can even breathe. And it becomes horrified mm -hmm. beyond imagination that it's dealing with something that it doesn't even believe has a soul. That's how far I did. Like, I did think that part was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought parts of it were interesting, and, and none of that's I, in the I, movie. I, none of that at all is even that. None of that is even remotely related to the movie. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, that's the best part. The... I think that's the best part of the fic, though. Yeah, I I agree with that too. That is the best part, and that's why I think it works um, as standalone. It's fine if you don't think it works as a standalone, but I I think that you could read this without watching the thing and still still find quite a good bit of uh, quality quality reading here. Mm -hmm. Of course. Of course, I can agree. It's more interesting if you've seen the thing, but I think that's because you see a totally shockingly different perspective of the creature, not just the fact that you already know what's in the scenes, because mm -hmm. what matters in the scenes is, is barely relevant at all, honestly. I mean, that's, you could change all the scenes of the movie, and this fan fiction would still largely be the same, same idea, which is creature from mm -hmm. space, ancient being, doesn't think humans are even living beings so far removed from us it is in biology i'm not saying it's a like a bad fiction per se no and i'm not saying that you're saying but, it's bad like, but i think it's it's good as a standalone which you don't think it's a standalone you you don't think it would work I mean, as standalone to be fair i i just personally didn't really enjoy uh the things all too much I'm not. It's not really yeah, in my wheelhouse fine. of what I enjoy that's in fine. fiction. Yeah, but it is a good. It is a good piece of fiction, and I'm. I. I can see why people, especially within the fandom of the thing, really, really enjoyed this piece of literature. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. I think it's um. It probably is one of the best. It probably is the best fanfic, at least in this genre that's ever been written. I can't. I really can't think of anything that is this succinctly well put together. Maybe there's a very long one out there at some point. I'm sure that there's other insanely good fan fictions, but um, I think this one has stood the test of time for a lot of reasons. I I, I wanted to 
say something about thriller versus horror earlier that I didn't get to say, so I'm going to say it mm-hmm. now. Just tack it on at the end. Um, I think the, the main differentiation is, between thriller and horror is like, I'm going to bring up American Psycho again because I think it's really good. American Psycho is not a thriller. It's very boring. Yes. If no, I, that I makes can absolutely sense. Agree. It, 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 it's yes. a fun the, the thriller parts. It is a very, probably the first, a little bit over the first half. It's very mundane. Nothing really happens. It's just like, he says weird things. Maybe he like beats up some like animals and like kills a homeless guy. It even has a watermark. Yeah. He says funny, he says (laughs) says funny things that are really weird because he's weird, but it's, it's despite it not being horror or not being a thriller. It is a horror because the whole mm-hmm. concept of American Psycho is that it's not that what Patrick Bateman does is horrible. It's, it's that, that he exists. He exists and he is a like he's obviously he's, he's a, not a, and he's he not might a real not person, be alone. But he's he's written like a real person. And the fact that yeah. you could be walking down the street in a in your regular life and walk by someone like Patrick Bateman and have no idea. That's where the horror comes in. Grip is that's where the horror of the story of American psycho comes in. It is not a thriller. It is boring. Most of American psycho is just Patrick Bateman going on dates with women. Um, and being sexist and annoying and a loser. Cause Patrick Bateman is occasionally abusing people, occasionally abusing people. And it's boring. It's a it's it's lame. He is lame. Everything that he does is pretty fucking lame. But it's still a an incredible horror series, I guess, because there's technically more books than just American Psycho. I'm gonna make um, three it, statements about your opinion on it, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on them. Yes. The difference that makes the three differences that make American psycho horror and not thriller are one. The tone is ambiguous. It doesn't distinctly tell the audience. I want you to feel this right now because I want it to be Mm -hmm. energetic. Yeah. Yes. Secondly, the ending is vague and leaves you with questions. And those questions have answers that horrify you. Mm Mm-hmm. Third and finally, there is no fucking point to anything that happens beyond unnerving the audience. There is no point Mm -hmm. to any scene or action taken by any character. There's no plot in American horror, in in American Psycho. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just Patrick Bateman. It's just Patrick Bateman kind of doing things. The only really... The only the only really plot that's there is is his jealousy of Patrick or of a of a Paul Allen or Paul Owens in the book, mm-hmm. and that's resolved halfway through the book when he mm-hmm. when he unceremoniously the killed square. Him to the to the Huey Lewis in the news CD <laughs> in the movie, <laughs> and like even that that's not a scary scene. It's not. There's no no. It's funny. Mirror. It's hilarious because he's <laughs> dancing like an idiot. And he's rambling about Huey Lewis in the news. And it's ridiculous. 
And he's but in this still, stupid like poncho. Yeah, stupid poncho. He's got a dumb fake looking axe. It looks like a it looks like a movie prop. And there's there's no like it doesn't it doesn't stretch out the horror. It's not like you no. know it's it like and you know you watch Friday the Thirteenth and like Jason like stab somebody and they run away and they they crawl and they're like screaming. That doesn't happen. He just he he hits him and then he hits him again and it's over pretty much. I, mean, I can say it succinctly, but, but that's argue that that's that's I would argue that that's scarier than any other any Friday the Thirteenth movie. Oh yeah, for sure, by a long mile. Here, here's what it is, okay? Here's what I was trying to get at. Like, uh, mm-hmm. thriller is something that is felt in in the moment, the body, and in yeah. the moment, and horror is what is felt in the mind in and the it mind. lingers. Yeah, I can agree. I think that's a great way to put it. And I think you're smart and handsome. And I think uh, Thank you. I think we should end it off valid. with that. Unless anybody yeah. else has any last minute burning Yeah, comments. Sergio, you haven't spoken in a while. Uh, Smash I your pat- Patrick Bander. I, I agree oh, with your, your, your points on uh, thriller and horror as I don't really have a, a ring in that race of analyzing the difference between them but i think you all have made uh, some very succinct points on the difference mm-hmm. between them i've also seen never never seen american psycho except for the meme <sighs> scenes that's no. i've also i've never seen american <gasps> we've got to no. watch it I, I think you could sit through american psycho michael i oh, think i know can, i can sit through it i just don't care to watch it right now it's a little yeah, gory but it's i don't i it's not that gory it is in like one scene there's like oh two boy, scenes that are scene. pretty horror, that are pretty gory, but in fairness, one of them has Huey Lewis in the news playing over it. Yeah. Um, yes. Tipped <laughs> beast. Pretty square. much the goriest scene in the movie is is Paul Allen getting chopped up. But it's literally uh, they don't show it. They don't show it. it they, like he swings, and then there's just like a blood splurt, and then he just kind of like screams. It's a little more than that, but book, it's not. The they're they're not showing more than that. that but they you cut out a lot of the sloppy dead. They do cut out a lot of the of the in in unforgivable, terrible things that Patrick Bateman does. Patrick Bateman is a way better person in the movie than he is in the book, mostly because most of his internal monologue isn't in the movie. Right. Patrick cool. Bateman in the movie seems like he could be a redeemable person if it weren't for his murderous tendencies. Um, like he, he's kind of like in the, movie, in the movie. In, in the movie, he's kind of like, "Hey, I don't like anti-Semitic remarks or racism and stuff like that." And that's kind of like a point. Like he says that to his coworkers, and they kind of just don't elaborate on it. But in the like, he says that in the book too. However, the book is from the perspective of his internal monologue, where he's just like, "Man, I hate black people and gays," because he's a terrible person. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. There's there's yeah. no redeeming quality to him. And that's what Anyways, makes me- I'm gonna go watch uh, Scooby Doo now. Yeah, it, you know it's that season. It's Scooby. I, I have I have stuff to go work on. So can we let's let's wrap this let's up. Wrap here. this up. We'll see you guys on Friday. I think is when the episodes drop. Round. Uh, I think this is a Friday episode, but I'm not positive. Well, I guess I'll see you guys on Monday. Where uh, we got we got we got SCP stuff. We usually like to throw an SCP. Yeah. Stuff somebody here is obsessed with them and can't escape from the hellhole that is the scp community at times yeah i am i'm i've been looking forward to locks for locks anthology since he mentioned it to us in those episodes like fucking forever ago so i'm i'm happy uh-huh. to 
I, I am, I'm happy to finally delve into it, um, especially because I, 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 I have a few of them that I'd like to discuss on the podcast because uh-huh. discourse surrounding them has been... Eh. Oh, we love the, SCP community in, discourse. In the wide words of uh, The Thing, we love you. Yeah. Now, who wants to watch the American Psycho musical? I'm good. I do. Hell yeah. I'm good. Bye.